Hi there, and welcome to Faith Greater Than Fear. It's great to have you all uh, with us today. Uh, we have a, a guest today here from the U.S., and I'm, I'm usually on this program to interview some of our international guests, but Mike is on vacation uh, right now, so I get to join a special guest. I'm going to let him introduce himself first right now. So can you give us your name and where you are and what you're doing? Hi, Nathaniel. I'm Chuck Foreman. Um, I'm the teaching pastor at First Christian Church in Phoenix, and um, I have all the dirt on Nathaniel, our host, because he grew up with my kids in Taiwan. Uh, so uh, if you ever want to know anything about him that he won't tell you, just let me know. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to say, I'm, I'm either lucky or not lucky that I get to do uh, this interview since I, do, I have known you for a while, but I'm sure you have many stories I would rather kept, uh, kept hidden or in the closet, but uh, <laughs> hopefully we won't get into those corners uh, too quickly here. Uh, but yeah, like Chuck said, he's in the Phoenix area, and lately I know I have been hearing about Arizona, Phoenix, and the news lately. So I wonder, Chuck, if you would give us just a kind of a picture of what things are like in Phoenix right now. Maybe they're not that much different than the rest of the, the country, but what are, what are things looking there like right now? Well, um, yeah, we're hearing the same thing about ourselves here, that we are the hot spot in the entire world as far as the number of uh, confirmed positive COVID cases. Um, it's, I think it's important to understand, though, that the reporting doesn't tell you how many tests those are out of, how many negative tests um, there, there have been out of total tested. And um, so Arizona is doing a lot of testing right now. Um, we have a great governor that seems to have been built for crises like these. And um, so our numbers are up partly because we're doing a lot of testing and partly perhaps because we have a lot of stubborn renegade people who in the beginning did not take this uh, health pandemic very seriously. And that's my opinion, but that's kind of uh, what I'm, what I'm dealing with as a pastor and a leader and what I'm seeing in our community. So are you seeing there, I mean, that, that would sound like there's certainly a lot of people with one kind of opinion in the area, but I'm guessing there's a pretty good spectrum, like in most places, of how people are reacting to this. Right. Um, and, you know, it's all across the board, of course. Um, right now, when you go out, everyone is wearing a mask pretty much. Um, any, any, any type of business, you have to wear a mask when you enter. So people are, are complying fairly well with that. And that's good to see, uh, that kind of, it hasn't always been that way back when masks were optional. Um, yeah, you have, uh, you have people that are taking it very seriously to the point of, um, almost paranoia. Um, then you have people who are taking it seriously simply because they're in a vulnerable population. So they're trying not to go out, um, only going out for necessities and wearing masks and behaving themselves. Um, and then on the other end of the, of the spectrum, you have people who um, either don't believe the virus is real or they, they know that it's real, but they believe that it was um, manufactured 
uh, with evil intent and that there are uh, evil people behind it with an agenda for some kind of world takeover. And, you know, we're all hearing stories about that. It's just impossible to know right now. Um, and then you have people who, like me, who are sort of in the middle trying to navigate this and, and discern how God wants us to lead at this time. And uh, that's been a real um, interesting learning, growing, but very challenging uh, journey for me. Yeah, and we're, you know, I was thinking back a few months ago, and I think we all felt, okay, well, we're hearing a whole lot more about the virus, and then it seemed to kind of creep closer and closer to wherever, wherever we are. I think now most of us probably know someone who has had the virus, and I think for you, I'd like you to share uh, your story about how you've personally been uh, affected by the virus and in your life. Um, what that did personally, you, your family, but then also how it affected things for, for your church. Could you share that with us? Sure. Um, well, I, uh, I've tried to be compliant and not defiant. And that's kind of uh, the position that we've adopted here at First Christian in Phoenix. Um, we, we don't believe that our government's requests that we wear masks and that we physically distance and we wash our hands and and use sanitization practices in our sim. We don't believe that that's an infringement on our rights. However, some people do. Um, and so I'm, I'm trying to lead through that and help, help Christian people um, understand that this is what we do. You know, we, we follow the example of Jesus. And so as followers of him, we're willing to inconvenience ourselves and put ourselves out and endure a, you know, what we might consider um, an imposition or some level of suffering in order out of consideration for those around us. And so, um, so that's what we're trying to do. So through this whole thing, I've tried to set an example and uh, wear a mask when, when it was appropriate and so forth. Um, but with all of my efforts to stay virus free on June 10th, I actually, um, got sick. And so I felt like I had been exposed and I couldn't, you know, I needed to know so that I would not endanger my family or my church or our staff. So on June the 10th in the morning, just, at, you know, kind of in frustration, I prayed and I said, Lord, um, if you give this thing to me, I'll get tested and then I'll know. Everybody will know for sure. Then I'll know what I need to do. And at noon that day, I got sick. <laughs> I started running a fever. So uh, it was almost like the Lord said, yeah, I can do that. Um, or, or he was saying, well, you've already been exposed. So just give it a couple hours and we'll, we'll take care of it. So anyway, I, uh, I immediately went and got tested and in about three days got my test results back. I was positive. So I knew that I had to quarantine myself for 14 days, which is, uh, that was the hardest part of this whole thing because I don't let any moss grow under my feet. And it's, uh, that, that was difficult just to stay home. <laughs> 
for two solid weeks. But I, thankfully, I had a mild case. I'm probably healthier than your average horse, and I didn't get real sick. I had a fever for three days, along with the normal aches and pains that go with the fever, and that was my only symptom. And then I was fine. Um, but it was interesting that I was the first one in our entire church to get it. And um, uh, there have only been two other people in our church since me that have come down with it. And both of them had mild cases as well. So, you know, the reaction was, oh, my goodness. Well, this is real. Um, Pastor Chuck is sick. And there was a great outpouring of love and prayer and concern, um, which, which was nice. And then, then there were the interesting reaction of people who are the, you know, they're on the renegade. We're not going to wear masks no matter what, even if they're made out of the American flag that we're flying in front of our house. And those people suspect that, Maybe I wasn't really sick and that I'm part of the whole conspiracy. So um, we, uh, you know, in our efforts to declare that we're going to be compliant and not defiant. And so far, at least in Arizona, our government has not asked us to disobey God. So out of concern for our neighbors, we're going to, we're going to get through this thing and we're going to be cautious and protect ourselves and each other. And I've, I've been surprised to see that declaring that position has drawn a line in the sand with some people. And we've actually lost people who believe that I've just been duped. And, um, you know, we, we need to, uh, we need to form a militia and stand up to this kind of response. But most, most people here are not like that, but it's interesting. Um, that response has been quite surprising to me among American Christians. Yeah. So was that kind of response from at least a few, like you've mentioned, was that disruptive to the rest? Or were those, able, those others able to just kind of go along with you and get through those two weeks with you or without you, I guess, in this case? So what would what yeah. that? No, our, our church has been great, and uh, they have stuck together and stuck with me, and um, the dissenters are very few, and most of our church is not even aware of who they are, really, um, and they're not staying around causing any, any trouble. So it's, uh, it's present in my mind because I, I have, you know, had conversations with them, but it has not been disruptive to the whole church. However, everybody knows someone like that. So we're, we're just, we're, we're, we're trying to stay in the word and discern God's, what, Lord, what are you up to? And what do you want from us right now as your people? How do we represent you well during this pandemic? pandemic? And so we've, you know, we uh, reconvened our services on May 31st, and we've been regathered on Sunday ever since. <clears throat> However, there's a 50-person max occupancy for large group gatherings in Arizona. Um, churches are exempt because we're considered an essential 
um, organization. However, we have decided to comply with that because we don't, we don't, it, it makes no sense for the church to convene and not practice the CDC guidelines, you know, for sanitization and physical distancing when other businesses and groups have to do that. So we're, we're trying to comply with that and then also provide online services for people who aren't comfortable getting out or who shouldn't get out yet if they're in a vulnerable population. So we're trying to meet <clears throat> the needs of those who want to be together physically and those who aren't ready yet. And um, I think that's important for the church yeah. to do. So that's kind of where we've landed. Well, I think you're already answering my next question, but what, what do you think has been the most essential things to kind of keep your congregation tight and, and together united during this time? I don't know if it might be something practical, like some form of technology or strategy, or some of these ideas that you're talking about are what tying people together. What, what have those been for your church? Um, well, first of all, you know, absolute at the top of the list is our allegiance to God's word and finding that he does give us direction in his word, even about situations like this, and that our response to this pandemic and whatever is requested of us and the needs around us has to be one of love. And, and we must, whatever we do, we have to represent Jesus at this time. So some of the ways that we've discovered to do that, and I think the glue, the thing that has held us together is a common purpose and a common sense that we have to notice what's happening. Where are the needs? What needs is this pandemic creating? Um, around us that we need to meet. And so we've ramped up our food pantry. We're feeding hundreds of people every week. We have teams that are calling our elderly and our homebound just every week to make sure they're okay. Um, people are writing cards and letters to the sick and the infirm among us, uh, also to a local hospital that we've adopted. Um, encouragement cards for those workers that are, you know, our first responders on the front lines every day. And then also to our police department of late, um, which is taking a real emotional hit socially from what's going on in our country in general with social unrest. So um, I think the thing that's held us together is service, is recognizing um, here, here's what we need to do. We also, we do a lot of work in Phoenix um, in tandem with the city of Phoenix who, who calls us to help them when they find issues and problems out there with elderly and single moms with their homes and properties. And um, <clears throat> we were asked to help a Jewish synagogue clean up their property. And uh, this is a synagogue that found themselves um, comprised mostly of elderly people and their campus was overgrown and a mess and it really needed some TLC. So we're really good at that. We went out and we filled up two giant city dumpsters and manicured their property uh, on a Saturday morning 
And so we haven't we haven't shut down. We haven't stopped. We've just kept serving and trying to find ways where um, we can really represent Jesus at this time. And then, you know, trying to keep our people connected with information through our website, midweek updates, online services, um, electronic family news that goes out so that people don't feel like they're just detached from the church and from our life. Our connection groups, that's what we call our small groups here at FCC, um, they were poised and ready for this. So we just, during the shutdown, when we weren't having weekend services, we were just encouraging our people to keep meeting with their small group during the during the week, even if it was through Zoom. And a lot of our groups went to Zoom or Google Teams meetings so that they haven't really missed a beat. They've, they've stayed together and they've stayed connected. And that's been um, that's been huge. Um, early on, my my message to the church was. Um, the church is not shutting down. The church never shuts down. Um, God is giving us a chance to see that we are not, our, our identity is not chained to our large group gatherings in our nice buildings on Sunday. And I, I just, I shared that most of the rest of the world has never been able to worship like we worship. And in fact, the largest church in the world, in the history of the world, meets in scattered home groups, largely in secret, underground, all over their nation. And they report to us that 3,000 people come to Christ every day in their country, and that's China. Uh, one of the most oppressed churches in the world. And they know that their identity is there is in Christ and in loving each other and in serving. It's not in showing up once a week to their nice building. So God's giving us a chance to redefine ourselves and we got to figure out that uh, in America. And I think this is, this whole thing is giving us a chance to do that. And my, my question for American Christians is, will you take advantage of the great opportunity God is giving you right now to partner with him, to see what he's up to, and join him? Well, I think I, I know I heard a couple primary things there. One, just the unchanging word continues to be the church's guide and continues to be relevant, even if maybe the word pandemic is not found in Scripture there's still things that we can certainly draw from Scripture that help guide us during this time. And right. two, that love never stops being active and that your church is really an expression of that from what you, you've described there. Well, I think uh, our time is coming to a close here. So thanks, Chuck, for, for joining us on Faith Greater Than Fear. Really appreciate what you've shared today. Everybody at home, if you've appreciated what Chuck shared, please uh, share this. Uh, others will probably appreciate it too. We thank you for joining us, and please come back Mondays and Thursdays. We've got new episodes, and so we'll see you next time on Faith Greater Than Fear. Bye.